While the Great Recession is just a memory for most Americans, in its aftermath, more children than ever are growing up in low-income neighborhoods, and one result is poor academic performance. InfoTrack's Roy Mackey has the details. Roy? Thanks again, Chris. Dr. Rachel Kimbrough is a professor of sociology at Rice University School of Social Sciences and the founding director of the Kinder Institute's Urban Health Program. Now, you were a co-author of this study that examined the number of children living in high-poverty neighborhoods after the Great Recession. Let's start with how you define that poor neighborhood versus middle class and so forth. A high-poverty neighborhood is one where 40% or more of residents live below the poverty line, and that's a Census Bureau definition. So tell us what your study found, because it was pretty eye-opening. We found that after the Great Recession, significantly more children in the U.S. are living in high-poverty neighborhoods compared to before. So we compared two different cohorts of kindergartners, one from 1998 and one from 2010, and just looked to see where children were living. In 1998, about 36% of children lived in neighborhoods of poverty, and that had risen to almost 44% by 2010. I realize your study focused on children, but does this extrapolate to more adults in poor neighborhoods as well? We know from some other research that something similar was happening for adults as well, yes. Did these results surprise you? They did, primarily because when we dug a little bit deeper into the numbers, we found a few things that surprised us. For example, the children that had the highest gains in terms of living in high-poverty neighborhoods were white children and children whose families were not poor. So that indicated to us really the great reach of the Great Recession, reaching into populations of children where we had not seen such high levels of neighborhood poverty before. And how does that happen that a family that you say is not poor ends up in a poverty-stricken neighborhood? Our study is not able to examine that, but our two hypotheses are that first, families that, for example, faced foreclosure might have been forced into neighborhoods with higher poverty than they would have lived in previously. And the second thing that could happen is that as the Great Recession filters into more middle-class neighborhoods, in general, family incomes dropped, and so poverty would have increased around families. So even if they didn't move, their neighborhood itself might have become poorer. Can you talk for a moment about the fluidity of these kinds of trends? Is there, in other words, a typical amount of time that a person who's dragged into a bad neighborhood by economic factors stays there? Unfortunately, what we know about living in a high-poverty neighborhood is that it can be relatively difficult to come out of that situation. That's one of the reasons why we're concerned about these findings. A second reason we're concerned about the findings is because we also looked at school readiness among all these kindergartners, and we found that children who come from high-poverty neighborhoods are almost one year behind academically when they start kindergarten. So what other lessons can people take from your study, especially people in positions to do something about it or perhaps to prevent it the next time around? I think it's really important for teachers and school districts to realize that more of their children are going to be coming from high-poverty neighborhoods. And because that has implications for school readiness, that's something to be concerned about and to be prepared for. And is there anything that policymakers can do to prevent people from having to go to these poverty-stricken neighborhoods in the first place, other than, of course, avoiding a recession? 
the best place to target a policy intervention is not so much about keeping people out of these neighborhoods. That seems like a tall order. But perhaps we could target resources and interventions more toward high poverty neighborhoods. So one of the examples we give in the study is perhaps increase the number of Head Start centers that are in high poverty neighborhoods. Basically, use a neighborhood as a way to identify children who are in need of services rather than as we typically do based on their family income or education. Dr. Rachel Kimbrough, a professor of sociology at Rice University's School of Social Sciences and founding director of the Kinder Institute's Urban Health Program. Thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. That wraps up another InfoTrack. Our show is heard on nearly 600 radio stations each week across the United States and is a production of Syndication Networks of Chicago. You can visit us online at InfoTrackRadio.com for past shows and guests. Our Internet services are courtesy of Pear.com. I'm your host, Chris Whitting, and on behalf of our executive producer, Randy Meyer, and the entire InfoTrack team, we hope you'll be back with us next week for another InfoTrack. <laughs>